What a glorious morning it is to come together to worship our God in heaven. The prayers, the singing, the opportunity to come together in the way that we've done today is so uplifting and encouraging. And in fact, you may have already noted the title of the lesson will in fact resonate, I hope, very clearly with this season of the year in everything give thanks. I hope you still have your Bible open to 1 Thessalonians 5. We'll be using verse 18 as the lesson text, but really we'll be looking at a fair amount of the passages in both 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And in a moment I'll explain why I've developed the lesson in fact that way. This opening slide is one that sets before each of us a little bit about Thanksgiving. As you and I know, three days ago on Thursday, we celebrate nationally that holiday known as Thanksgiving. And in fact, by decree of Congress several years ago, I think it was in the 1950s, it was set forth as that particular time, the fourth Thursday in November every year. But quite frankly, it has a much lengthier history than that, taking us back to perhaps even the 1600s or before. But isn't it true that Thanksgiving has come to occupy a very unusual place? There's a great deal of celebration in many ways around the hobgoblins and spooky character of Halloween. And then there's Christmas with all of its commercialization and the gifts and the family get-togethers. And right in the middle is Thanksgiving. There has almost become a time when, at least in the mind of some, Thanksgiving is really nothing more than a day of football and eating a lot. But now, quite frankly, Thanksgiving, we all understand it, is a much more pertinent and much more emphatic thing than that. And Cale just led us in prayer a moment ago, expressing thanks for so many wonderful things. Today, let's use the books of First and Second Thessalonians. As I prepared this lesson, it occurred to me, as you think about not only verse 18, but Paul was thankful as an inspired apostle for a lot of things. And so this lesson is going to develop and give a thought to what was Paul thankful for as an inspired writer. And may I suggest that you and I will find that those same things ought to bubble to the top of our appreciation list as well as we are thankful for these things. And so my hope, my goal for this, for both myself and for all of us, is to develop by the time we leave today a keener appreciation for Thanksgiving as it's presented in the Bible, not just an American holiday, but as it's presented in the Bible. And I hope we each can say it will have been good for us to be reminded of these matters of Thanksgiving. And so let's, prov let's provide a listing. What were things Paul was thankful for? Number one, let's highlight first of all a command given to us and as we highlight that in our hearts, we'll be appreciative, I think, of how serious this issue of thanksgiving is. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 18, we read a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It says, "...in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." Isn't it interesting and in fact very telling that here it very clearly says, this is the will of God. It is the will of Almighty God in heaven that you and I be individuals of thanksgiving. Those who not only are thankful but who offer that thanksgiving as it's prescribed in the Word of God. I might even then begin, are you and I as thankful as we should be? Be honest. Are you and I as thankful as we should be? 
And so you'll notice some of these additional verses. The will of God is highlighted as something in the New Testament that those who fail in light of that are guilty of sin. I might call to your attention Ephesians 6 verse 6 as well as 1 Peter 4, 2 and 1 John 2, 17. All of those highlight that God's will is to be done. And if it's God's will that I be thankful, am I carrying that out as I should? That's a question for each of us to seriously consider. And let's close that particular observation like this. When Paul addressed his letter to the church in Colossae, he in fact gave a listing of things that they were to do. And first of all, you put out that which is evil. You put to death. You mortify all those things that are evil and wicked. But then you fill those elements in your life with these good things. And in that list he said, be ye thankful. The Colossians were told to be thankful. The Pippin church is told to be thankful. All of us are told to be thankful. Let's then come to the first element in Paul's list. For Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. That verse reads like this. Remembering without... Well, let me start in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Paul began this Thessalonian letter highlighting we are always mindful and remembering you in prayer, and it's through Christ. Paul made mention then that he was exceedingly thankful for Christ Jesus, and Cale again noted that in prayer just a moment ago. Let's develop perhaps more clearly in the following way. Jesus, our Savior, voluntarily left heaven with all of its splendor, with all of its brilliance, with all of its beauty. He was willing to leave it. In John 17, verse 4, when the time was getting close to when he would go back, he remembered fondly what it was like in heaven. May I ask, are you and I as mindful in thanksgiving that he was willing to do that? What if he hadn't been willing to leave? And yet our Savior left, knowing what was going to happen to him here. As you and I consider this, Philippians 2, verse 5 says, knowing willingly... He was equal with God, and yet He gave that up for a little while, tabernacling in the flesh. Inasmuch as our Savior chose to do that, oh, how that rang in Paul's mind, a tremendous clarion note of thanksgiving to Him. One final thought. He, of course, paid the price for your sins and mine. In fact, we're about to commemorate that. As our mind races back to the scenes at Golgotha, where in fact our Savior was crucified not for His sins, He didn't have any, but He was crucified for yours and mine, shedding that blood. In so doing, how thankful we should be. May you and I fill our hearts then, not just on Sundays with those elements of thanksgiving, but each day may we be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. And that led Paul to number two in the list. What else was he thankful for? Not only Christ, but the church. May I call to your attention this same passage we just read. We give thanks to God always for you. Who's the you to whom Paul was writing this letter? Verse 1 had said it was the church at Thessalonica. The church. You and I assemble this Sunday, this first day of the week. 
may you and I be always reminded too about the church of which we're a part. Thankful to God for it. Let's develop that perhaps like this. In Acts 20 verse 28, Jesus purchased one body, not half a dozen, not even two. He purchased one. And in fact, that one body in Ephesians 5.23 is said to be the one who is saved. And therefore, to not be a member of that body is to be lost. Aren't you thankful for the church? Aren't you thankful for that blood-bought institution, the body of Christ? Aren't you thankful for the truth for which she stands? That attribute and those series of elements remind us again, we should be thankful for the church. One last thought on that list. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, listen to the way Paul described the church. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Paul longed to see the church at Thessalonica. He wanted to be with those brethren. What about you and me? Does this thought excite you to come to services? Do you long to be with those brethren who are of like precious faith to you? Does it excite you to consider that you get to be with those people who you hope to be in heaven with? You're not going to be in heaven with murderers and fornicators and those people in the world. They're going to be with the devil. But you and I have the luxury and the blessed opportunity to be together with those here on earth that we hope to be together in heaven with. Paul longed, and I find that word so moving. Paul yearned with a great desire to be with those brethren in Thessalonica. He couldn't wait to see them. May you and I feel like that with regard to the specialness descriptive of the church. The next element in Paul's list. What about the gospel? Paul was thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's read together this verse. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as we know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Just previous to that, Paul had said that he was thankful and included in that list is the gospel, the word of God. One more time as we come together today, it's our desire not to lift our opinions, our speculations, or our thoughts, but to lift high this because only it can save. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul was thankful for the gospel. What about you and me? May I say, if we're thankful for it, we'll obey it. We'll take it seriously. We'll do something about it. But yet, if we aren't thankful for it, we'll perhaps take it with trivialness, take it with inconsideration. Paul was thankful for this gospel. In fact, look at these additional thoughts. In 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14, it was in that book Paul stated it like this, "...it's through the gospel that we're called by God." Aren't you thankful for that? God doesn't come to us in small voices and movements of the wind. Oh, it's true that God controls all the things of the weather. 
but He calls us by the gospel. And He's no respecter of persons. He calls you the same way He does me. He calls all of us in the same way, and all of us are then the recipients of that great testament to His love. Are you thankful for the gospel? And by the way, and it's that same gospel that if you're a Christian, you have obeyed. You submitted to baptism as you, in fact, prior to that, you professed belief and repentance and confession. And in so doing, you were overwhelmed in the great flood of the love of God as you were cleansed from your sin and you rose from that watery grave without a single sin in your life. You were spotless, sanctified, pure, and whole. May I say there's no detergent on earth that can do that, but the blood of Christ can. As you and I think about that gospel, one final thing. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, notice here what Paul said about this gospel. He said, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Paul was thankful for the truth. Again, Cale mentioned a moment ago, imagine a ship tossed on the sea without mast, without sail, without direction, yet you and I in life would be just like that, not knowing wrong from right, not knowing the basis or standard, and yet in the gospel, in the truth of God, we have the certain and sure word from heaven that tells us what's wrong, that tells us what's right, that tells us what attitudes to adopt, what actions to pursue. May we be thankful for the Word of God. It is that timeless anvil that God has given Though the hammers of men have beaten against it, men will never destroy it. 1 Peter 1.25 says, The word of our God shall stand forever. It will be that same book, according to Revelation 20.11, that's going to be opened at judgment, and your life and mine will be judged by. Oh, how that word, may we be thankful for it. But Paul's list goes on from there. What else was he thankful for? What about hope? You and I, too, I think, have an appreciation for the significance of hope. When a person reaches that point in life that he or she feels as though there's no hope, it's usually not long till death. We need something to hope for. We need something on which to hang a positive consideration of the future. And yet Paul knew that there was hope to be found in God. And oh, how thankful he was for it. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Listen to what he said there. It's a passage that has instilled in so many individuals who love the Lord a great element of positive hope, and it reads like this. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, of them, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him... For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then when we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words." 
you'll notice that he mentioned no hope. There were those in that first century that had none. In Ephesians 2.12, Paul gave a rather dramatic description on that occasion about those who sojourn in this flesh and yet they have no hope. The sadness, the tragedy, the catastrophe that must be descriptive of those that have no hope. Please think with me this morning. If you are a Christian, you have been invested with the greatest of all hopes. For you look forward not merely to sojourning in this flesh and living for the Lord, but you have your sights already set on eternity. For you look forward to being in heaven to a place that's undefiled and that fades not away. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. And you know the Lord Jesus Christ shall be all the light and all the temple that's ever needed there. Revelation 21 There's nothing that defiles, nothing evil, nothing of the devil will be there. That's what you're looking forward to. And in Colossians 1 verse 5, that hope is invested in the teaching of the gospel. Are you thankful for hope? I am, and I know each of us have an appreciation that we should be as well. Let's note one other thing. That hope is described in the New Testament as a critical element of our salvation. We're saved by hope, Romans 8, 24. Today, how hopeful are you? If you die this afternoon, are you going to heaven? If you're not, do something about it. You know what to do. And in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song of encouragement. But if you're thankful, act upon that element in thanksgiving and make things right with God. The next element on the list follows this one immediately. It's comfort. You noticed it with me in verse 18, didn't you? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Isn't it true that in this life we are beset by so many things that are hurtful? Tragedies. On our sick list and on our bereavement list, we have many who are suffering many things. Our heart aches for them. And there are family members who are dealing with the loss and bereavement of those whom they love and cherish. As our heart goes out to them, we've all experienced things like it. Where do we find that comfort? Here at Pippin, we're very noted for praying that God would be with those in bereavement and provide them comfort as only He can. Have you ever thought about the fact as we pray that a non-Christian can't make that kind of a prayer? Because God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners, John 9, 31. And not only that, you and I appreciate that that comfort, we know God can provide it. You and I have often been the recipients of it. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, God is the God of all comfort. Hear me now. Not some comfort, not a little comfort, but of all comfort. Only He can provide it. May you and I be quick then to beseech Him for it. This statement about Paul being thankful for that comfort. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2.17. In many ways, Paul even increases the consideration of this. Here's a commandment. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Notice again, that's a commandment. You and I are told to be people of comfort. Now, God through us can offer comfort to others, and we always beseech Him to provide us with the capability, the words, the sentiments, the feelings that would be appropriate. 
Are you and I thankful for comfort? May we be. Paul's list continues from here, though. In addition to this, what about the avenue of prayer? You'll notice one of the first things on this particular consideration is a song we sing from time to time. The sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. When you and I sing that song, how meaningful is it to us? In those moments of desperation, those moments of despair, or even in an element where our heart overflows with thanksgiving, isn't it delightful to bow your head to simply talk to your Maker in heaven, to let Him know how thankful you are, and to beseech His guidance and His aid for those decisions in life. Prayer is something, as we know, so often referenced in the Word of God. And the faithful people of days gone by who themselves were people of prayer, like Daniel and like Abraham and like Jacob, they were men of prayer. Jesus Himself was a man of prayer, Mark 1.35, Luke 6 verse 12, Luke 18.1. And as Jesus Himself prayed, He was so thankful of those prayers and He besought the assistance of His heavenly Father. What about you and me? It's easy, isn't it, for life to become hectic, frenzied, busy. And some might even begin to think, I don't have time to pray. Please listen to me now. If you and I ever get so busy that we don't have time to pray, we are too busy. We're too busy because nothing ought to be more needful for the moment than to spend a few moments in prayer because God, we need Him in our life. We need His guidance. We need His instruction. And we need the mentality and the vision that He gives us. We need His perception. And so, when it comes to prayer, may we devote some attention to it every day. You'll notice that Daniel prayed three times a day. Now, that's not a commandment of the New Testament, admittedly. But isn't it true that at least every day, didn't Jesus say, give us this day our daily bread? At least every day. May we be expressive in thanksgiving to our God. As you think about that avenue in prayer, I've listed several verses in the Thessalonian letters, both first and second, where Paul was thankful for the avenue of prayer. Let's go on to the next element in the list, though. Joy. I'm thankful for joy, aren't you? In the midst of disappointment and in the midst of what can be difficulties, and yet as a Christian, you and I have been given a joyful spirit, an attitude of joy. I like that. Let's develop it like this. In 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 9, Paul wrote these words. For what thanks can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes? Twice. In one word, Paul expressed thanksgiving for the joy he knew in light of the Thessalonian church. Are you joyful? Christians should be the most joyful people that there are. Because not only do we have the Lord in our life here, but we look forward to being with Him forever. And that joy should be an appreciative matter, something that is a motivational tool and an instrument in our life always. It'll aid us even when we must face those challenges in life. In fact, that joy leads us to 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 20. 
I'll begin reading in verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Paul lived in in the time in the Roman Empire when things were very challenging for Christians. We've been seeing that on Wednesday evenings. Now, admittedly, the Thessalonian letters predated the book of Revelation by probably about 35 to 40 years. And yet already things were beginning to move in the direction of hardship for Nero was soon going to be on the throne. And yet Paul made mention of joy. And yet in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul said he'd been shipwrecked and beaten and he had endured so many things for Christ and yet he was a man of joy. What about you? Are you and I too quick to complain? Too quick to whine and grumble and moan? when God has been so good to us. In light of those difficulties, may we face them with a perception that's proper. And may we face them with an attitude that's right. God will see us through them. We will emerge victorious. It is that element of joy that leads us to 1 Thessalonians 5 or 16. It's the shortest verse in the New Testament in Greek. Two words, rejoice evermore. As Christians, we have every right to be those who rejoice, those who are happy, those who understand that our treasure is not laid up here on this earth. It's laid up in heaven, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Paul's list continues on, though. In addition to these, let's add some more things. It seemed fitting to me in light of last Thursday and perhaps this season, what about the food we enjoy? Could I invite you to consider 2 Thessalonians 3? In that chapter, again, to the written to the Thessalonians, Paul was mindful of the source of even the food that he enjoyed and those other things of a physical nature that that church enjoyed. Food. There are people on this earth that are hungry. There are those less fortunate than we. May you and I be thankful for the food we've got. A bountiful table. Things that you and I enjoy, perhaps three or more good meals every day. God has offered us and made available to us so many good things, even when it comes to food. But not not only that, the book of Ecclesiastes, might I encourage you to read chapter 5 sometime. When that wise man of the ancient era, Solomon, there highlighted, this is the will of God, he said that a man enjoy the food that he's got, and that he appreciate the one who has provided it. Isn't it still true that the earth is the Lord's of the fullness thereof? To borrow the wording of 1 Corinthians 10, verses 24 and 25. Food. I know that as we're mindful of it, may we never forget the source of it and be thankful for it. Because you'll notice Matthew 6, 11, didn't Jesus say, Give us this day our daily bread. As we thank our God in heaven for that food, let's close our list with number 10. Health and the other physical blessings we enjoy. I know that as we think about health, visiting the hospital or the nursing home or visiting some other places will quickly bring to mind What a great distinction there can be between levels of health that individuals 
sometimes are called upon to suffer. May you and I thank God for the health we have. May we appreciate that He has filled our lungs with air, that's His air admittedly, and the water that belongs to Him we're able to take in for sustenance. But you'll notice in hell, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 7 reads like this, For they that sleep, sleep in the night. Are you thankful for the ability to sleep? To enjoy a night of respite and rest? Again, Ecclesiastes highlights that that very attribute again is a blessing from God. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, the Proverbs writer says. Let's add to that this one, verse 11 and 12. Wherefore, comfort one another together and edify one another, even as ye also do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The thanksgiving that we do feel for food and for health and these physical matters, may we never get so caught up we take those things for granted. Failing to appreciate the source of them, the capability of them. Have you ever thought that God could have designed a human being such that it didn't need sleep? But yet it was His infinite wisdom that He saw fit we need not only sleep but to take in nourishment. Because there's a timeless lesson in it for spiritual truth. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. And just as we understand how important physical food is, may we never forget Jesus Christ. And the most needful food of all is spiritual. I hope all of us have been reminded today about some things for which we should be thankful. This summary slide closes this lesson like this. It's intended by God that thanksgiving be a basic and integral part of our life. Not something just one day a year, not something just one season of the year, but something that is a constant and ongoing and fundamental part of who we are. May you and I then be thankful, genuinely thankful. And that thanksgiving should prompt us, of course, in light of a willingness to be obedient. You'll notice that's the last point, and that was Paul's point in 2 Thessalonians 2.13. He told the Thessalonians, if you're truly thankful, then you'll allow that thanksgiving to develop in you in obedient trust. Are you thankful today? If you're thankful to the Lord, we won't be able to keep you from coming down this aisle in a minute if you need to. We really can't. You will rush to the front, and you will want more than anything else to become what the Lord wants you to be. Today, if there's one or more in this audience, and perhaps our study of thanksgiving or the prayer earlier or the songs that we've sung today, maybe something has prompted you to want to make some changes in your life. If you're a wayward child of God, one who hasn't perhaps been as thankful as you should be, why not make that change starting today? It involves repentance on your part and belief, as well as confession, and we will pray to God for your forgiveness of those sins. If you've never become a Christian, though, why not today? What better day could there be than this one? We'd be delighted, in fact, to assist you to take your confession and immerse you into Christ. You will become a part of the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Today, if there'd be anybody who would have one of these needs, we'd be delighted to invite you, to encourage you, and we're going to stand and sing this song of encouragement and use that as an opportune time. Won't you come while together we stand and sing?